Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 991. Meet the deadline. I always meet the deadline, no matter how late I'm going to take up, no matter how many dinners I miss. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Dennis Gray. Hey, Dennis, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely ready to go. All right. Camera in hand. Dennis Gray is one of the best known lensmen in American motorsport. His San Francisco-based career began in the early 1950s when his father took Dennis to a dirt track jalopy race at the Merced County Fairgrounds. He was a team photographer for the George Dyer Racing Team, the Spalding Can-Am Team, and the official photographer for the R.J. Reynolds IMSA Series. He has snapped images for Ford, Porsche, Cadillac, Buick, Jaguar, Honda, Pirelli, and Goodyear, in addition to Apple, Gallo Winery, Henry Weinhardt's Beer, and numerous other companies as an advertising photographer. Today, Dennis is a senior photographer for Sports Car Digest. You'll also see his work in Vintage Race Car and Excellence Magazines, He's a member of the American Auto Racing Writers and Broadcasters Association and Western Automotive Journalists. So, Dennis, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and a very obvious passion, cars that go real fast? Sure. I've been a follower of automotive racing since mid to late 50s when I had my advertising studio. The way I would relax would take long weekends off and uh, cover races mostly for myself. I did some stuff for On Track Magazine, and that turned into doing stuff for George Dyer and, and Spalding, and then later on IMSA. And since I've retired, I try and, and take in most of the major events on the West Coast, and I get from Midwest and back East and even a couple of Canada events. And then it's just vintage racing is my main subject for my camera these days, except for my eight-year-old granddaughter. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice indeed. Well, I love uh, your website, the images you've shot, and I'm an avid vintage racing fan. I used to race vintage cars back in the day, so I love that sport as well. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is a nice way to get the shutters clicking here on Cars Yeah! or the inspirational tires turning. So, Dennis, take the wheel. I tried to figure out how to put this into a quick saying, but the point of photographing races is to capture the life of the event. Not just the cars on the track, but the cars at the limit, the drivers at the limit, uh, the team members at the limit, more about the race, more about the cars than just covering the race. My photographs and your photographs should show the life of the race and what's going on. Yes. One of the things I used to love to do when I go to vintage races, and I still do today, is not only shoot the cars, but the people, like the people working on the cars, the mechanics or the drivers right after a race when they've just pulled their helmet off. And they've got that sweat dripping down, but that huge grin on their face or sometimes a big grimace because things didn't go as planned. But in the same at Concours events, it's so fun to people watch and shoot the people, especially those that dress up and are really getting involved or they're standing there having their car judged and they've got this look of concern on their face or adulation. So uh, I'm glad you said that. It is. Cars are just the catalyst to bring all of us people together and have fun. Very nice. Well, 
I'd like to go back in time, Dennis, and have you share a story that instigated that passion for cars. I mentioned that time your dad took you to that uh, jalopy race. I remember those old-time races. But is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were indeed a car guy? Yeah, it, it revolves around my dad again. He had a 50 Mercury. He was a mechanic. He had a 50 Mercury with flathead, Edelbrock heads on it, and single carburetor, I think. But he used to put me in the trunk and sneak me into the Stockton Airport road races. <laughs> and we were there, and I think it was 57, and the Edgar team was there, and Shelby was driving their 4.9-liter, 410 Ferrari sports car. Ooh. And it's the first time I had been exposed to big-time in those days, yeah, drivers and cars. And at Stockton, they had this very simple last fence ran along the straightaway with one bale of hay by each fence post sticking up, holding the fence up. And you'd lean over the fence, and the cars would go by 15, 20 feet away, flat out. Yeah. So the race starts, they wave the checkered flag, and the cars go screaming by us. And at the end of the straight, Shelby in the 4.9 Ferrari just goes straight. And pretty soon he gets stopped. You can see him get out, and he comes walking along the fence back to the pits. And he stopped and talked to my father and I. Wow. He stopped and talked to a number of people, but yeah. he also stopped and talked to us. And Shelby's in his coveralls like he always wore. He had a kidney belt wrapped around his waist because he had a bad back, and this was a support. He had to slip on penny loafer driving shoes of some sort <laughs> on. And his, his right hand was his driver's glove, his, his helmet, his goggles were around his neck. He had that curly hair hanging down in his face. And in his left hand was the gear shift lever out of the Ferrari. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's why he didn't go any further. And he just stopped and talked to us. And my dad did a mechanic, asked him a couple of questions about the car. And he, the answers went to the questions. Wow. And then he walked on. That's when I decided, hey, that guy was worth being a hero. The cars are great. And then after the race, we went back to the Edgar pits and we stood there and watched the mechanics clean it up and put it on, on the Edgar truck, 10-wheeled trailer, which was the first time I'd ever seen a trailer like that with race cars in it, mm-hmm. and they left. And that was the first time I really fell in love with sports car racing. Wow, what an awesome story. Thanks for taking us to a very unique yes. and special time when the people were so close to the drivers, you could just walk around and talk to them. And, of course, you think back now to how dangerous that was. Oh, my gosh, to have people that close to the track. But... uh Wow, what an impressionable experience that had on you indeed. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about your career and talk about maybe one instance of a big challenge or even a big failure you faced. Kind of walk us through it, but the most important part of these situations is what we learn from them. So tell us about one of yours. I spent January 1966 to June 68 as an Air Force medic in Southeast Asia, Thailand, Vietnam, and once in a while in Laos. Mm-hmm. The challenge of getting these kids we picked up, I was a kid too, but getting these kids picked up, patched up and out country to a medical facility was really the challenge of, of my life. I've, I've never done anything more rewarding or, or more scary or more intense than those two years. Wow. I still, all these years later, use lessons learned there to realize whatever the problem is I'm facing today or in, in life or work or whatever it is, is nothing compared to the challenges I've had then. So I, I think people who know me will tell you, I don't often get really upset about stuff because this isn't worth it. Wow. You know, well, first and foremost, thank you for your service. And second, oh, sure. you, well, of course. And secondly, 
my goodness. I mean, dealing with those situations, casualty situations of just, and they were, you guys were all kids. I mean, it's even today, so many young people in the military. Uh, but of course, that, that whole period and the tragedy and so many lives lost and so many lives affected and injured. But I think that my takeaway from this is exactly that when you go through a traumatic situation like that and experience that, there's nothing else that is as important as saving a life and helping somebody. So everything else is just kind of not that serious. So why why get that upset about it? That's my takeaway exactly. from that story. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, and that was a long time ago, but no doubt those things do not leave your mind. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when you kind of went, okay. that, that's the direction I need to go. In 1976, I opened my first studio in San Francisco, uh, advertising photography studio. Mm-hmm. In 77 or 78, I produced my first ad in the Black Book. At the time, the Black Book was a Bible of advertising. Oh, yeah. I know about the Black Book. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I took a one-page ad out, pretty graphic. And what it did was it taught me the importance of clean design, images with impact, and, of course, a need to get those images in front of potential clients. Mm-hmm. It's a rule I still live by today. Like, like Sports Card Digest, we have over 600,000 readers there. And so they see my images all over the world. Yep. And it's free advertising for me. Even advertising I get paid to do right. goes, goes in there. And it's resulted, you know, it's all based on that first Black Book ad and how it worked and the importance of getting your work out in front of the right, right people. You can be the best photographer there is out there, but if nobody sees your stuff, nobody knows about you, it's going to be hard to to get your stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, and back then, we didn't have the social media we have today and all these ways to promote yourself. But back that year, 76, 77, 78, I graduated from high school in 76, and I went into college and studied graphic design, advertising, and business. And that's why I'm aware of the Black Book, because I remember first learning about it my first year in college looking at these books and all these photographers, and I love photography. I still do today. I shot a lot of things. But, you know, there's an old saying, unseen, untold, unsold. And if you're not out there promoting yourself in some way, no one's going to ever know you exist. Sounds simple, but it works for all levels of businesses. You need to go out and advertise and make yourself known, right? Absolutely. And, and let me bang on, on Sports Card Digest just, just one more time. Yes, love that publication. We have the, the 600,000 readers, but I'll go down to Monterey for the historics down there. Every night during the historic Sports Card Digest will publish 120, 150 images from the event. And then at the end of the event, there'll be six, 700 images up within days of the event being over. So everybody gets to see those right away. The drivers, the owners, whoever. And so they all see my images with my name and they're up right away. And it's all self-promotion. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's very cool. And of course, that event, so many wonderful opportunities to take pictures of cars and people. And uh, uh, I've been going every year for the last 25, 26 years. I love it. Well, let's talk a lot about your first special car in your life. Because for a car guy... Sometimes it's the first car or the first special car, the car you saved up and you finally could get. Tell us about yours and maybe share a memory about that vehicle. Well, when I first got out of the Air Force, I bought a Ford van and I went into the air freight business. I worked for a company called Pacific Intermonda Express. Uh-huh. And I saved my money up and I bought a Lotus 11 
serious one my mind from a guy named Charlie Hayes, who was a retired Can Am driver of some reputation. And he was in Southern California. So a friend of mine, Paul Swift and I, we drive down to LA, we pick the car up, put it on a trailer. And as an aside, it belonged to a guy named Robert Gray. Robert's my first name. I don't use it. I use Dennis, but mm-hmm. Robert Gray out of, I think, Louisiana. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so we, yeah. So we towed it back up to Burlingame, a little town just south of, of San Francisco, pulled off on the frontage road, took the car off the trailer, and I drove it from there maybe five, six miles up to the winding roads of Burlingame to my garage, my dad's garage, with Paul following me in the van, and pulled it into his garage and pulled the door down, just in case anybody was complaining about race cars on public streets. <laughs> yeah, sure. I sanded it down and painted it red. It was out in front of the paint shop on El Camino, and a guy named David Love called me and said, I've got a bunch of guys who are going to be at Katati this weekend racing old cars. Would you like to bring your Lotus up here and race with us? And that group of guys eventually became CSRG. Ah. So I ran a couple of events with that car up at Katati. I was in the first demo race at Laguna Seca during a Can-Am race or an Indy car race. I can't remember which, Mm -hmm. but we took the cars down there and, and did like five laps of around there so people can see yeah, it. Yeah, kind of demonstration laps. Yeah, demonstration laps. And then I ended up selling the car a couple of years later and going to Europe and wandering around Europe for six months. <laughs> well, he got you to the next place in time, but uh, very cool old car. Is there a car that you've let go that you really wish you had back in your life, that seller's remorse? That Lotus 11. Oh. I see the ones running now. That one was as beautiful as any of them out there. It was detailed as nicely. I don't think it had ever been wrecked. It, it had the, the Didion rear end in it. It had the, the twin uh, A-frame front suspension. It was not the split axle one. Uh-huh. Uh, it had disc brakes all the way around. It only had the 1200cc engine, Coventry Climax engine, and it was two Webers. But it was quick. It was fun. I, I sold it to go to Europe. So well, there's, I there's... regret it, and I don't regret it, because the trip to Europe was a lot of fun. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What cool! What a cool car. I love those old Lotus. I raced a Lotus 18 for many years and had a very, oh, yeah. had a very similar engine in it, that old uh, dual Webers in that thing. And um, yeah, mine had a Dolphine, Renault Dolphine gearbox, which was <laughs> the very delicate shifter. And I'll tell you, you told me that Shelby story. One time I was racing and the handle came off of my, my shifter and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? It's like all I had was this little tiny piece of metal sticking up and I had to shift with that. It was not easy. I, I smartly, I came in. I didn't, I, I can't continue. I don't, I'm going to break something here or crash. So didn't want to do that. Well, I know you're kind of retired here, but you're still shooting. Of course, photographers never really retire. So tell us what you're doing this year that has you excited and fired up in the world of photography. Any of you who watch or, or follow vintage racing will know the name Peter Giddings. Yes. I'm involved in an extended interview with, with Peter on his life and his Lancia D50 Formula One car, along with the other cars that he owns. Mm-hmm. The article, both on Peter and on the D50, will be the centerpiece of the 2018 Danville Concours program. Nice. And that's a gr- great show. All the proceeds go to Parkinson's disease research and patient treatment. Mm-hmm. Great group of guys. They appreciate my work. I, I help them find other cars. But but this one, the big event this year is the, the interview with Peter. I'm also an instructor at F8 Motorsports Photography Workshops. And like I said, I'm a partner with Bill Wagenblatt and historicmotorprints.com. So that 
my big three projects this year. Wow. Nice retirement. <laughs> no sitting around. Yeah. No sitting around for you. And I, I like that. Uh, you still have time for your granddaughter, of course, which is so, oh, so important, yeah. but sounds like you are having some fun. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Dennis. If you were a car, a vehicle, or a race car, what would you be and why? I'd be an older car in good, all original shape, not restored. That's basically <laughs> the way I am. Yep. <laughs> an Alpha P3, older technology, but I'm still uh, able to get, get to the point. It, an older car is still able to produce if pushed. There you go. I like the way you thought that through. Well, Dennis, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, this is Mark Green. I've been using Covercraft covers to protect my cars and motorcycles since I was in high school, way back in 1975. But Covercraft has much more to offer than just vehicle covers. This time of year is very hard on your vehicle's interiors. Rain, snow, dirt. And mud gets into the carpet and the seats, grinding away and destroying the original materials. It's important to preserve and protect your special ride with cover craft floor mats and seat covers. That's what I do. They offer a wide variety of styles, colors, and materials, all designed to fit like a glove. They're easy to install and provide for anchor points and airbags for safety and a perfect fit. Protecting your vehicle adds value when you go to sell it, too. Simply go to Covercraft.com and order the style and color you like best, and boom, you're set. You'll thank me, and your vehicle will thank you as well. That's Covercraft.com, and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Dennis, we are back. This is the last lap. You've seen many of white flags in your lifetime. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Well, this advice was given to me by the same guy, both about women and about cars. (laughs) Don't worry, there will be another one in better shape and for less money. (laughs) That's the first time I've ever heard it put in that context. The, the, The other piece of advice, and this concerns photography, is Always buy the best blacks for your camera. Yes, absolutely. In fact, I'll let our listeners know I'm, I'm thinking about buying a new camera. I've had the same Nikon for a long time. And so I kind of uh, ticked to Dennis's ear about camera I was thinking about. It's a new Sony uh, AR7 III. And of course, he's a Nikon guy. So now he's got me having to think about a, a Nikon D850. So now I'm confused, Dennis. I don't know what to do. But 
The most important thing is get the best lenses you can afford. Absolutely. Now, is there a personal habit that you have that you think has contributed to your success? Meet the deadline. I always <laughs> meet the deadline. Yeah. No matter how late I'm going to take up, no matter how many dinners I miss. And if you look at me, you tell I don't miss. I miss, miss many, many dinners. dinners. <laughs> but, but meet the deadline. I can't tell you how many so-called pros out there shooting car racing have never heard the word deadline. Yeah. You know, it's. I worked in advertising graphics for years and... You don't miss deadlines because they will go ahead and print the magazine without you. If you rent time on a press to print a brochure or a catalog and you miss that, they might have the next five days booked and your book's not going to get done. So you're right. You cannot miss deadlines. That's a, a trade I've carried forward to me. I think it came from my days of being a paper boy. And I had some, some <laughs> customers that if you did not have that paper on their doorstep by five, they were out there with a rolling pin waiting for you to show up. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah. Now, how about a resource? There are lots of awesome resources, and I'd love for you to mention this business you have with the vintage prints as well in this, but is there a resource okay. or two you can share with us? Sure. Nikon cameras, Nikon professional services, and they have other support services. If you, if you go on, on to Nikon USA, Nikon World, any of their websites, they've got videos that will tell you stuff about your camera you didn't know your camera would do. Mm. Nikon owner manuals. Not written in English. I don't know what they're written in, but it's not English. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but their videos, their tutorials, really nice. Yeah. The other resource I might share is historicmotorprints.com. And that's out of Seattle. It's Bill Wagenblatt and I are partners in this site, and we sell really high-quality images of vintage cars, the drivers, owners, friends of owners and drivers, mm -hmm. for a very reasonable price. And we, we've got thousands of images up there from almost all the events on the West Coast and the events I, I cover in the Midwest and back East. And, and the images are pretty nice. Pretty nice. They're more than that. I've been there. It's an awesome resource. It's a great place to go, whether you've been shot by these guys. Snap. Picture taken. Should say shot. But uh, if you've got a picture taken by these guys or if it's just cars you're interested in that are out on the track, uh, it's a wonderful resource. And I'll make sure I put a link on Dennis's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website, so you can go there and check it out, and I hope you do. Now, Dennis, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? I put a lot of thought into this, and I went back, I thought about like Fazio Nuvolari and Fangio and those guys, but it came down to Dan Gurney and Sterling Moss. Mm, yeah. I talked to Moss before in the pits at Monterey, I talked to Gurney down there, but not at length and not at depth. And if I could have a drink with them, preferably together. Yes. Talk, talk about the races when they race against each other and when they were teammates. I can't imagine anything that would be more wonderful than a nice bottle of red wine or three or four bottles of red wine. And and, and I know Gurney didn't drink, so Moss and I would drink the red wine and he could have iced tea. <laughs> but we, we would have a hell of a conversation. Yeah. You know, so sad we lost Dan just recently here, and I wanted so terribly yeah. to have him on my show, but in his later years, he was just trying to cram a whole nother lifetime into his days and, and just never found the time to do that. I'll tell you, though, I did have a dinner with Sterling Moss and Lady Susie one night in Paris after uh, I was there for retromobile. I had no idea that dinner was going to happen. It was a complete surprise. Ended up in a private room in this little side street Paris cafe. We sat there for four hours. And I still pinch myself to this day thinking, how did that happen? How did I get so fortunate 
I didn't even have a camera with me to get a picture of it. I don't even have <laughs> all I have is my memory of it. And I've since talked to him many times and was hoping to have him on this show. But of course, he's aging as well and uh, since challenged in some ways. So, uh, yeah, those two guys together. Wow. What a great talk. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you'd like to share with our listeners? The New York photographer, advertising photographer, his name is, was Irving Penn. He, he's gone now. Mm -hmm. But his, his first book, or the first book I bought, I bought it when I was in high school. And it's called Moments Preserved. It's a coffee table book. But it will tell you or show you uh, with examples everything a photographer needs to know about light, about composition, about texture, about exposure, about color combinations. It is just a graduate course in photography in a book. Now, you've got to be able to realize what you're looking at. Say, I'm going to go out and duplicate that, and how did he do this, and work your way through it. Right. But once you do that, you will understand what a wonderful tool you have in your hands in that camera. Yeah, absolutely. And these days, my goodness, we all have these cameras in our hands, even if they're a little smartphone, that you can do so much with, and they're just getting better and better. So, uh Get out there and have some fun and be creative and uh, pick up a book like this and learn how to look at things differently. That's the key. Well, you'll find, right. you'll find all these great resources that Dennis has been so kind to share on his show notes page at the Cars yeah website. Just type in Dennis Gray into the search bar there and his page will pop right up, including a resource to get your hands on this book. All right, Dennis, we're up to the checkered flag and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet today. Doesn't matter what it costs. Pick whatever you would like, my friend, and I will deliver it to your garage there in San Francisco. What's it going to be and why? In 77, I was a team photographer for George Dyer. I think he mentioned this earlier. Yes. George was an IMSA racer and raced at this time an RSR. George and his family were the largest private holders of Kodak stock. Mm -hmm. And in fact, in George's wall of his house, I was in his this house many times and one day on the wall I'm reading this letter and it was from George's grandfather back to George Eastman and basically the letter said don't give up on my way I'm on my way to England we'll get financing for your camera and film <laughs> that's how far back George's family went with Kodak but but George is back there at Sebring with Brad Frizzell and this RSR and Busby is there in a 935 with I think Hurley Haywood and Peter Gregg has got his car. Maybe Gregg was with Busby. Anyway, uh, On Guys was there in Fields, and all the 935s were there. Yeah. The guys from South America brought theirs up. And Dyer's one of maybe four or five, nine, nine RSRs that were there. Mm -hmm. The night before the race, Al Logger, who was the team manager and principal mechanic on, on Dyer's car, and I are sitting under the tent with a the car there. And I know you're going to think I'm crazy. I swear, I won't use any passwords here. I swear that car talked to us. It was magic. And wow. when we left and went home that night, we knew that car was going to win the next day. Yeah. So the race starts, and the first three or four laps, Dyer runs over a rock, and he has a puncture, and the tire explodes, and the right rear fender comes off the car. They come in. They, anyway, he had four or five punctures during that 12-hour race. But he and Frizzell hung in there, and they won the race. Oh, my gosh. That's the car I want. It's it's Kodak blue with these weird yellow stripes up the fenders and down. And the last I heard, it belonged to Bobby Rahal. had just bought it last year, I think. Wow. And it's totally restored. But that RSR is the Porsche, the car I want. Uh, 
Be Still My Heart, one of my favorites, the RSR race cars. And yeah, Bobby's been a guest on this show. You're right. He's got that car. Oh, my gosh. That's going to be a tough phone call for me to pry that out of his fingers. I'm not so sure (laughs) I'm going to be able to pull that off for you, but I will give it a try. Uh, I would love nothing more than to race up the streets of San Francisco in that thing and wake everybody up delivering that well, to you. Are you coming to, to Rensport this year? Because I'm sure it'll be a Rensport. Oh, yes. I'll uh, tell you what. We will meet up at Rensport. We will stand there together and toast that car. How does that sound? Okay. That sounds I, I will, fun. Uh, I'll bring a bottle of wine and we'll pop it right there in the pit. <laughs> there you we'll, go. We'll invite Bobby over. Hey, yeah. I'm sure he'll join us too. Great guy. Great guy. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome choice, Dennis. Well, you picked a really nice car, wonderful car, and I've really enjoyed the ride you've taken us on today. Thank you for sharing your stories and for sharing your journey. Could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you, let's say, rip off down the racetrack at Laguna Seca in that 77 Kodak Blue RSR? My parting thoughts were, please, come look at my stuff at sportscardigest.com, historicmotorprints.com. You can find it in Vintage Motorsports Magazine or at DennisGrayPhotographer.com. Look at the images. Let me know what you think of them. If you like them, great. If you don't like them, let me know why so I can decide whether I want to listen to you or not. (laughs) But I'm always looking for input, and that would be great. Absolutely. Well, listeners, I'll make sure I put links to all of these great sites on Dennis's show notes page. I would encourage you to check out his imagery. I'm sure if you're a diehard car guy, vintage racing guy, racing guy, you've already seen a lot of the stuff he's shot, but Go check out these sites. Uh, they're great fun. Uh, yeah, open a bottle of wine. You're going to be there a while enjoying all these great uh, visuals. Very nice. Dennis, thanks for being so generous with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks. I appreciate it. You're welcome. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!